Andy, my dude, have you heard of the magical website builder known as Squarespace? Ugh, not another Squarespace ad. I feel like every podcast is sponsored by them. <laughs> hey, 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 don't knock it till you try it. Yes, okay, it is overhyped. But actually, it lives up to the hype. Squarespace is like a website fairy godmother. With a click of a button, your site transforms into a beautiful masterpiece. A website fairy godmother? That sounds interesting. What makes it so magical? Well, for starters, those slick templates make anyone look like a professional web designer. Pick one, customize the colors and fonts to match your brand, and voila. Plus, the drag-and-drop fluid engine is so easy, your grandma could build a site on Squarespace. Well, she did knit me a lovely scarf last Christmas. Maybe website design is next. Exactly. And when you're ready to sell your Nana's handmade scarves online, Squarespace has built-in e-commerce. Add a store with one click. Get flexible payment options. Then watch those sales roll in. And when she wants to teach others her steezy scarf skills, Squarespace's new courses feature is just the ticket. Nana can set up her curriculum and enrollments and payments in a snap and become the next e-knitting influencer. Wow, you really sold me with the grandma angle. Sign me up for that free try. Just go to thenextreel.com slash Squarespace and transform your site into a beautiful Squarespace masterpiece. Well, thanks, Pete. Even though it's overhyped, Squarespace actually sounds perfect for Nana's site's needs. Appreciate the warning on the ads, though. I'll brace myself next time I listen to a podcast. Anytime. Let me know if you need any help getting that site up and running. Andy, can you believe we've almost hit 700 episodes of The Next Reel? I know, it's crazy. And with all the other episodes in our family of podcasts, we are well over 1,200 episodes of movie conversation. It's really pretty amazing that we've gotten to have these in-depth movie chats every week for over a decade now. And we couldn't have done it without our loyal community of film fans. Their support over the years has meant so much. For sure. That reminds me, we should give the merch store a shout out. Buying shirts from thenextreel.com slash merch is a great way listeners can continue to support the show. Plus, they get to support our great designs. Absolutely. I think sometimes folks forget we have a variety of shirts, mugs, phone cases, and more available. In fact, a great place to start is with a shirt sporting the Next Reel's logo. We also have that classic Fast Times Spicoli Surf School tee, or the weirdly popular Rusty's European Tour shirt. The one from National Foods European Vacation. Why is that so popular? <laughs> Search me, but we have sold a ridiculous number of those. I guess there are a lot of Rusties taking trips to Europe? We're always adding new designs based on movies we've covered, like our brand new design for a streetcar named Desire, featuring a streetcar named Desire. So if you want to rep your love of TNR and films, head to thenextreel.com slash merch. Every purchase helps us continue to have these weekly in-depth conversations. So visit thenextreel.com slash merch today. And as always, thanks for listening and being a part of the Next Real community. We've got lots more great movie chats coming your way. Streaming services are on the rise, and brick-and-mortar video stores are a thing of the past. We have lost that experience of wandering the aisles and stumbling upon a film we've never heard of. We have replaced the familiar face behind the video store counter with an algorithm to recommend films. With more and more content available, it's harder to know what's worth watching and what might be a waste of your time. There are many hidden gems out there waiting to be discovered, and we want to help you find them. This is Trailer Rewind, a podcast where we discuss and review recently forgotten or overlooked films that are now available to stream at home. JJ, today we have our third bird-titled film, The Peanut Butter Falcon. There's sheep in this world, and there are wolves in this world. I know that you two boys are just two weary travelers who lost your way. So, we're going to clean you up right with a baptism. I'm more of a baptism by fire type. Okay. 
come to my wrestling school and become a badass. That's what he wants to do with the rest of his life. Yes, it is. You let a half-naked boy with Down syndrome who has no idea how to get along in this world just slip out from under your nose. You two are close. We are. Well, then you'll figure out where he's at and you'll bring him back. Are you following me? Maybe we could be friends and buddies, bro dogs, and chill. Have a good time. So the wrestling school is made? Yeah. One long road leads all the way down. I'll drop you there then. I'm looking for a missing person. Have you seen him? A little man on a lamb. Make your girlfriend back there, Eleanor. Two bandits on the run. Oh, yeah! Oh, yeah. Rule number one, don't slow me down. Rule number two, I'm in charge. Hey, what's rule number one? Party. No, not party. Today is May 11th, 2021, and the Peanut Butter Falcon is available on Hulu and Amazon Prime. So the Peanut Butter Falcon was released into theaters in the U.S. on August 9th, 2019. It was a small initial release, just 17 theaters. So, Hmm. I mean, just very few places you could find this. It slowly expanded, and just over a month later, it was in nearly 1,500 theaters. So this was a film that had a lot of endurance. It left theaters in December. So from August 9th to December 19th, 2019, that's four months in theaters. And during that time, it made over $20 million. Not bad for a little movie with a $6 million budget. But the Falcon. Yeah, that's endurance. That's great. Yeah. And the Falcon didn't land there. It also opened globally in the fall of 2019, making another $3 million internationally. It performed really well in Germany and Belgium, where it made over a half a million in each of those countries. It then uh, took the typical route of being available to purchase digitally. That was November 9th, 2019. And then okay. physical formats one week later. So, you know, right around, I think they wanted to get this out for, I guess, Christmas people being able to pick it up if they wanted to. Uh, sure. But this is the path of success that is, I think, the bellwether for an independent film. If if you start small and you're able to scale up and you have that momentum, you grow big, you grow big, you stay in theaters a long time, that word of mouth slowly builds, gives it that long life, and then you make that transition to, you know, home video and, and all that. It's it reminds me of what we would see with independent films like back in the mid to late 90s, early 2000s. You would, you know, you'd get a couple of these every single year of a film with recognizable faces. There was something unique about it, but it felt really small and you never knew, is this going to be a good movie or not? And then suddenly word of mouth and everybody's talking about it and it's in theaters all over the place all of a sudden. That's one thing in this movie that makes it feel like it's from a different era because we don't see that that often anymore. You don't get films this small of a budget getting that wide of a release anymore. And yeah, what did you say? Mid nineties, right? That's how yes, it feels. Yes, yeah, exactly. exactly. And the, the story as well. You know? Well, I think, you know, we do so many of these smaller films, right. Mm-hmm. In, uh, in, in trailer rewind that I, I wonder now knowing, and we've looked at so many of the different paths to success, like you're talking about for independent films, you, you got to wonder if there's some sort of algorithm or some sort of a uh, formula that they've set up in terms of how much money it made in those 17 theaters when it opened to say, okay, now we've graduated to the wider release. Now we've graduated to this kind of thing. You yeah. wonder if there's a, you know, uh, some sort of like, uh, a, a way to decide whether or not we can make money going forward mm-hmm. that these kinds of these kind of films graduate to as they open wider and wider. I think that's that's that that's an interesting thing to check out. Yeah, I think, you know, back in the days when you had to, you know, make prints of films, there was definitely a cost to that. So, okay, we were in 17 theaters, we're going to go to 50. Okay, what is the cost to create those additional prints to get them shipped out to those theaters? And that is a cost that they would have to account for. So, yeah, clearly there's right. a number and knowing the way that you know, industries work. Once a model gets set, it's going to take a lot to to shift that. So even now, right. the, it's it's digitally. It doesn't cost you anything that much more to put it in five theaters versus five hundred or five thousand. You're not making prints. You're not shipping things. But I think there's still probably that that cost of we've got to get the theater space. So there's probably an algorithm. You're right, and usually it's I think it's the word of mouth that they're going to count on that because how many people do we get in the seats? Are people talking about it? What are all those factors that they look look at? And in 2020 and 2021, we we don't have that anymore. This this was right, you know, at the end of 2019, probably one of the last films that we would we'll see for a while that is going to do that very small opening and then grow to such a wide release because anything in early 2020 didn't have that time 
to to blossom like that. So I think of this as being sort of the last that that I'm aware of of, of this type of film doing that small release and growing really big because i remember it feels like that this was this was this was all over the place people were talking about this our own pete wright picked this as his instagram pick so it's you know something recommendation a recommendation there so this is that type of film that builds on the word of mouth the other thing that makes it feel like it's from a different era is there's something about the story it's that road trip buddy movie just sort of all-American story. I, the, the film itself on its website calls it a, uh, compares it to like a Mark Twain story. It's got that uh, a Mark Twain style adventure story is, is what they call that. And it's, it reminds me of those stories that before there was young adult literature, you know, you're, you're Mark Twain, you're Jack London, these just like, yeah. you know, all-American adventure stories of being out in the wilderness, on the road, you know, the interesting characters you meet. It reminds me of like middle school, you know, that just something about stories like this that you would either read or there would it would be a, a movie or something you'd see. It just felt like that, and I don't it totally recall like seeing something like this in a long time. It's, right? It's a it's a classic script. It's a classic yeah. story. Yes, yeah. very much. Class- I'm like this. I I I'm surprised by you know turns of events, but I know where it's going. Um, right. You know, I I know what types of conflicts or how how dark this is going to get or how violent it's going to get i know yeah. where it's it's going to stay in this this nice little family zone and there's not a lot of films like this and it it is family but we should also say that it's very it it does get dark it does yes. get it is dramatic yeah. so it's yes. the kind of thing too where it's it's heavy um so it's it, it's all of the things that we're saying it's this classic story it's a buddy yes. film there are light-hearted moments but there's also a lot of drama to this this particular film that should be respected as well if you're going to choose yes. it to watch oh, yes. because I mean, it is there PG-13. could be some yes. yeah there could be some I, I don't I, I hate the concept of a trigger warning but there could right. be something that people should know you're going to be faced with some things that are that are that are hard they're they're drama yes. they, you you have to like drama to be able to 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 check out this movie yeah and that was the thing that as after I finished watching it I thought that was PG-13 well, right. yes, it's on the the lighter end of PG thirteen because we've got PG thirteen that is like, how is this not R rated? This is at the sure. opposite end of the spectrum. There's there's smoking. There's some of those other things. There's some swearing. There's there's some. I think they call it adult themes. You know, some yep. some heavier you know uh, drama to this that's going to make it not for young kids, but parents. You know, be cautious about this one. Probably watch it first before, exactly. uh, you know, watching it with your kids so that you've got a sense of is this going to be appropriate. But it is something that I think the entire family can sit down and watch together because it does appeal to just the general sensibilities of a great uh, road trip story. Yeah, totally agree. So when I was thinking about this film, like, who would I recommend it for? Well, clearly, uh. I'm not going to recommend it to Pete because he's already seen it. But it, it was, it's like, there, I remember when I was, oh gosh, I must have been about 11 or 12, there was a Disney movie called Never Cry Wolf with Charles oh. Martin Smith. And he's a, he's a scientist that goes up to the Arctic because okay. the um, they think that the wolves are, are killing off uh, some of the other wildlife. So they're, they're concerned about the wolves, you know, causing disruptions to the environment. I think there's some uh, ranchers up there and they're worried about the wolves and his, and his the scientist goes up there because he's going to try to find out like what's going on with these wolves and he finds out that the wolves are living off like these mice that's what their main source of food is these mice and so it's just Charles Martin Smith in the wilderness with woods it's a Disney you know <laughs> movie so but it as a kid watching that it was one of those first not kids movies that I remember yeah. watching because the main characters were adults they weren't kids they're dealing with semi-heavy issues because he's got confrontations with some of the locals and there's there's guns and there's you know threats to his safety and i remember just really enjoying it because it wasn't so scary or so over my head but it wasn't little kid stuff anymore and so yeah. i really really enjoyed that because i felt like oh i'm watching something that adults watch and this had that feeling for me too of a, a good transition from watching you know movies that are targeted towards young children to ones that can talk with you straight on about some fairly heavy stuff but not getting too overly burdened by it not getting too 
in deep with with some of the subjects. And it's something we can talk about further on when we delve a little bit deeper about the characters and some of their 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 past and, and what's going yeah, on it's, there. It's, it's interesting that that you, you you kind of put it in the context of with kids. I you know my kids are nine and eleven. I I don't think I would introduce them to this movie yet. I don't think they're right, ready for no. it. But that's the thing. I mean, it's you talk about it being on the lighter side of PG thirteen. It is, but that sort of the the depth they, they wouldn't they wouldn't be able to keep up with this movie in terms of the emotional depth that is required right. of it and that's that's why I guess I I, I kind of really lean towards the heavy side of drama it, when you talk about who you're going to recommend it for it really has to be someone who is going to appreciate the deep emotional turns that are coming here and the 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 intensity of the drama that's going to happen here and that that is for some people some people you know especially if you if you're trying to find an escape from effects heavy movies right and sure. trying to find something that's really a about the story of 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 people and the hardships that people go through, I compare this to um, a, a movie like *Hillbilly Elegy*. But, I think this, <laughs> but but to bring that up, I think this yes. movie is far superior okay. to *Hillbilly Elegy*. Yes. And that's kind of my point in bringing it up. I think everybody knows about *Hillbilly Elegy*. Not as yes. many people know about *Peanut Butter Falcon*. I think this would be for that same kind of people. If you if you like those kind of films, you're going to like this one. Yeah, I would I would say that's a fair comparison because I, tonally I think it's in the same place. You've got sort of that coming of age aspect of of dealing with difficult challenges in in life, uh, but n- not in a way that's overly melodramatic. At, yeah, I would right. say that's yes. If you liked Hillbilly LG, I think you'll really like Peanut Butter yeah, Falcon. You'll, you'll yes. think that this yeah. is this may be your favorite movie if yes. you liked Hillbilly LG for sure. <laughs> I, I'm very serious. I think <laughs> you know after watching them both, that's how I feel about it. So. Okay. Yeah. So then let's let's talk about ratings where okay. where this where this one falls because I well I wanted to say that it's such an interesting story because uh, all of my bird movies came right in the same place. <laughs> so <laughs> okay. the Peanut Butter Falcon for me ends up at ninety of two hundred and fifty four, and that's in and that's the top of the three bird movies, which okay. is right below Contagion. And honestly, you've got t- two Steven Soderbergh movies right in front oh, of okay. it, and, and he's my favorite director. So that it's hard to bust that through that anyway. But um, I've got the Peanut Butter Falcon, I've got the, the Goldfinch next, and then the Hummingbird Project below. And really, you know, honestly, they were all kind of the same in terms of rating for me too. Um, I think they all were right around three stars. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't like the Goldfinch. I did like Hummingbird Project, and I did like Peanut Butter Falcon too. So it's three stars and a like, and that's right where it says it belongs on my flick chart as well. 90 out of uh, 254 at 65%. Okay. So I, I went slightly higher. I went with three and a half stars. There was something okay. about this. I It wasn't going to make it to four, but there was something a little bit more about, about it. And it may be the fact that it, I guess, overall... See, I keep saying it's lighter, but it, it's not. But there's something about it that just felt more uplifting overall in terms of the main story because in the the goldfinch i mean we talked about just how what a downer that is totally the, the whole yes. way no and, redemption and there as our as our buddies are sort of on the road you've got those lighter fun moments some of those montages there's yeah. things that you can laugh at and for that that it raised it above that and hummingbird project is is great but it's it plays it really straight really serious there's not a lot of laughs in there and i felt like the emotions were more varied in this one, and for me that put it at, at three point five. When you yeah. picked a, a a series of bird films, I had no idea that that I would feel so similarly about all three, and that they yeah. were all. I mean, they're all dramas, yes. right? They're all yeah. bird bird theme. They're not even themed. They're they're actually bird named. We should just call them bird named dramas that kind of fall in this category. But for me, they all ended up in the same place. Yeah. I, I think it's interesting. They all ended up being the same kind of movie the same genre okay. of film for yes me. and so it, it came in a really weird spot on my flick chart it came in at 187 yeah. out of 723 just below social network which is okay. really strange place because i would yeah. not put those films on par with each other and then just above the witch the uh oh. you know not your film don't don't watch i'm right. sure sure you know not no thank watch you. the witch but in yeah. terms of i think it's the the emotions that as I was rating, I just said, I felt good watching this movie. I think that's what put it up a little bit higher than some of the other things. But yeah, clearly, Social Network is a, is a masterpiece. And I, I wouldn't say they're equivalent, but I just there was something that was more affirming in this story for me that, yeah. that, that put it up a little bit higher than, than the others. So that, uh, that's fair. you know, the Peter Butter Falcon does have a weighted average review on Letterboxd of 3.85. 
based on okay. 82,000 reviews. And at IMDb, it's actually at 7.6 stars Oof. at IMDb on 70,000 ratings. Yeah. So it, it's, it's up there. You know, I think people were responding positively something, again, that they probably haven't seen like this in a while. And I think that's, we'll, we'll, we'll get into that. But listeners, if you think this is your kind of film and you don't want anything spoiled, this is your chance to pause the podcast and check out The Peanut Butter Falcon on Hulu or Amazon Prime. Let's get the chocolate and the peanut butter and your peanut butter and my chocolate. <laughs> let's get falcons flying. Yeah. Let's Let's talk about... Atomic um, Throws. Atomic Throws. Well, yes, this is a film that... As I started, I thought, okay, I didn't know anything going in, really. I, I probably had seen I a trailer maybe yeah. a year ago. You know, I just, I knew. I just knew the Shia, cast. Shia right. and Zach. That's right. who I knew was in it, right? Right. Yeah. So, right off, we're introduced to our two main characters. We see Zach. He's escaping from an old folks' home. We see his little. Which he doesn't belong in. No, I mean, he, let's just say. No, he, he does. A Down syndrome, and, and he's not a kid, but he's a Down no. syndrome young young man. True. Right? Yes, a young man right. with Down syndrome does not belong like in, in an, old an folks elderly home. home. No. Yeah, exactly. No. So he, he's got his, his whole plan to escape, which abruptly fails. He gets tackled on his way, you know, just outside the, the front door. But we get the sense of. Here's a man who's stuck someplace that he wants to get out of. We, we see that, you know, right away. That's the first thing we know about him is he wants out. So we're given his motivation right, right away. And then we get uh, to meet Tyler, who, you know, Shia LaBeouf, who is out there just on the river. And he's collecting crab from the, the, the crates and whatever. And we see as he's going about his business, he comes along one to, to collect crabs. And he sees uh, some type of... Parks or you know some type of law enforcement related to boats, fishing. what fishing something. Yeah. He takes a quick U-turn, and then we find out a little bit about his story. That and this is something I didn't know that there's only a certain amount of permits for crabbing, and so his brother had right. one. Something happened with his brother. Some other people have his permit. He feels like it's his. You know, there, there's there's a lot of guilt. There's a lot of stuff packed into his story at the beginning there. Well, in the first third of this movie, he's not a good person. He's a bad right, person. Right. And yes. they don't explain to us any of his motivation. They they explain it to us over the course of the film. But they right. but but they really I mean he's he's a bad dude. He's right. not a good person at all. No, because he's 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 stealing from other yep. from other men that are, you know, working to make ends meet, and then he burns their stuff, takes right. off on the water. So we've got a we've got our, our you know criminal on the run we've got our you know wants to escape and so of course they're very quickly going to cross paths uh but what was great about zach and his escape is you've just got a small little bit with uh bruce stern as his roommate who and bruce stern was great <laughs> just bruce stern was just a couple fantastic. of scenes just you know a very few minutes with him helping zach escape because he doesn't want him there. He does. He knows he doesn't belong. He Zach watches his wrestling tape of the. Uh, oh gosh, what is what is the wrestler's name? Saltwater redneck. Saltwater redneck. Yes, he watches uh -huh. that saltwater. He's like, we've seen this ten times today, so you right. understand. You know this. This Zach does not belong there. So he's aided in his escape with that great old trick of you take some some fabric and you tie it around the bars and you take a stick or a bar and you just crank that and those bars will slowly bend themselves back based on the laws of physics. He soaps himself up, slips out, and you've got Zach, a man with Down syndrome, and his tidy whities just running down the street in the middle of the night. Actually, a pretty great shot. Pretty memorable yes. shot. Yes. And done really well, too. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And I, I do want to say this is something that I... I looked into my my research and I, before we get too far into the story. I did want to mention that this film was recognized by the Rudderman Family Foundation. This film was honored with its seal of authentic representation for accurate depictions of people with disabilities. Because I know that's one of those things where, okay, when you're going to cast somebody with Down syndrome, how, how are you treating that character? What, yeah. what story are you telling? And so to know that the Rudderman Family Foundation, this is one of their areas of priority is looking at people with disabilities and that they recognize this uh, film as, as being accurate. So I, you know, I love people it. are concerned and, that they have no, no concerns about, you know, Zach and his story and all of that, that it's, it's truly from the heart. 
with this. Well, and it's good that you bring that up because in the first third of the movie, I was a little concerned with mm-hmm. that, right? Because we didn't know how the we didn't understand really what the treatment was going to be throughout mm-hmm. the film, and it and and you and and there's a bit of you know some of the folks in the first third of the movie really feel like not actors. Of course, Zach yes. Zach was found at a camp, and he told yes. the filmmakers that he wanted to be a film star, and they actually created this movie around him, which I think is fantastic. Yes, but so you get that, and and he does a fantastic job for that. But some of the other character actors, some of the other characters character parts I, I also felt were played by some f- f- seemingly non-actors one of the yes. people you know the person that Tyler's working for at the docks like right. he a lot of the a lot of the dialogue in the first third is is really stilted and i had this kind of feeling like oh no this is it is going to be something that was just made for the purpose of getting made it definitely changes d- direction yeah. the story really uh, roots in and pulls in some really interesting things as you go forward but that first third it's really good that you bring up that seal because that first third you're not sure and that could be right. just you know uh, from folks who are are not disabled or who don't have experience with it it could be my uh, ignorance and right. me not knowing how to necessarily react to that and so that could be purposeful on the part of the film too but that first third was a little hard for me but i but i really clicked in once we started moving forward with the adventure yeah i think once once zach and tyler sort of connect and, and zach hides on tyler's boat as you know, Tyler sets fires to things and, and takes off and is hiding from sort of our our villain, for lack of a better term. Uh, right. Uh, Duncan, Air quote villain. Yeah, yeah, played by John Hawks. So he's the guy yeah. who's been wronged by Tyler. And, you know, so w- this is the one thing that during the first wasn't third Duncan happened, and Rat Boy weren't yes. that the, wasn't that the other guy's name? Yes, like, exactly. Okay, let's let's figure out a good name for a villain, Duncan, <laughs> well, and then let's make sure the other one's called Rat Boy. Right. But the the <laughs> the cast in here, this was the other thing that sort of put me at ease with this. Is you have, I was like, okay, it's easy to get. Okay, put Bruce Stern in a small little role, Shia LaBeouf. Okay, great with with Zach, and, but we've also got Dakota Johnson as Eleanor, who is. You know, works at the old folks' home. She, you know, she's like a social worker. She is a social worker. She knows Zach doesn't belong there, but he's got no family. There's the system has no other place for him. She knows he's a flight risk and, and doesn't really know how to handle that. We've got Thomas Hayden Church as Saltwater Redneck. John Barenthal we see in some flashbacks as Tyler's older brother, John Hawk. So these are, I mean, these are all very recognizable faces. So I thought there's yeah. something that has drawn them to this story. So that sort of gave me hope along the way of, well, what is this story really going to be about? These people are signing out for something. So there's got to be something at the core of this story that's going to be worth my while when it comes to, to watching this movie. So that was one of the other pieces because I, I did have concerns at first because I thought, yeah, it's feeling a little rough to get going. But once we hit the water, we get the the, the road trip movie, the buddy movie, you know, the road buddy movie, I guess you, you call it, sort of <laughs> kicks in, right? Because we've got two, you know, at odds, you know, Tyler doesn't want to be bogged down by Zach, who just sort of is a stowaway on the boat. Yeah. You know, wh- how, what are they going to have in common? What's How is this friendship going to develop? And for me, that was really the joy of the movie. It's that when you put people, you know, I guess the Mark Twain adventure, similar to Huck Finn, of going down the river, you get these little episodes that you have the opportunity to put your characters in little short scenes of, yeah. you know, how what's this obstacle or barrier? Oh, they run into this person. What happens? So you've got these short little episodes. And it works really well, I think, for this story to keep you engaged, to keep you moving along with the characters. There's not a big, complex plot or story. I mean, it's really simple. And I think that's also one of the reasons I kept it at three and a half stars because everything is boiled down to sort of its most simple thing. We we don't sure. get into a lot about Tyler and his brother. So, yeah. But are you saying that's a good thing or a bad thing? Well, because I think you could look at it either way. Yes. Right. No, I mean, yes. they don't need to necessarily tell us more. I would have liked to have, I would have been more, um, I would have had more affinity with Tyler had I known more about his backstory before yes. Before we got into that. But that being said, I don't mind the way they told the story because that simplicity that you're talking about actually made me like it more because we didn't get caught up in, you know, we compare it to the last couple, like the Goldfinch, obviously. Right. <laughs> so, so many much. crazy stories yes. and all this stuff. And then, and even the Hummingbird Project, we get a little bit of sort of distraction as we're moving along in the story. Yeah. There's none of that with the Peanut Butter Falcon. And that's why it kind of it kind of leads up uh, better. This is a much better, uh, they, they give us pieces of the story as 
we go, and they they kind of honor that simplicity. And so it was a positive thing for me. That's why I ask you. No, it, it is positive, but it, it doesn't give the actors necessarily a lot to go with. We know that, okay, right. Tyler, the, you know, his brother had the permit, and we see lots of flashbacks with them together, and then we get a scene of they're, they're out one night, and Tyler's driving, and he dozes off. So I mean we yeah, we we don't gosh, get it we don't get into game. anything else about that but clearly we know that he's got some guilt over you know clearly responsible for his brother's death but we don't we don't delve into that he's you know we don't get into the depths of depression we don't get into all that but it, it gives us something of this is what has derailed his life right but I I don't know how that connects into everything else that he's doing like his quest to you know it's it tells me he's a broken man but that's all it serves as, as a purpose. Same thing we get a little bit about Eleanor much later in the story that she was married, uh, her husband died. We we don't know many, much more about that, but it's just another, here's a broken person, here's this. And so that's sort of what I'm saying is we don't get a whole lot of complexity in the characters and the relationships connected to the plot. And that's fine because, I yeah, I don't need it to become an epic, sprawling, you know, Southern Gothic tale of these, you know, flawed people. But it, it just kept things simple, which I wanted a little bit more of by the time we get to the end, have these characters resolved their issues or not? What's what's going on with Tyler? And by the time we get to the end, has he changed as a person? Do we see that? Does, does his guilt over his brother's death, is that gone? Is it still there? But that's not the questions the story wants to to answer, and so that's right. that's sort of exactly. where I wanted a little bit more, and that's why I said it's sort of at my three and a half because it just sort of keeps things simple, gotcha. which which is again great for a family movie because you don't want to burden kids with why does this guy have all these these issues around his brother? It's like no, you just need to know something bad happened and he's responsible. Keep it simple for the kids, I'd, I'd say, you know, and for the story. That's fair. Yeah. 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 Again, I don't think of it as a kid's movie, but I, but, I understand yes. where you're going. No. So, but yeah, so, the, I mean, this movie is so much fun once we get on the road with yeah. these two. You know, we we get to learn a little bit about them, you know, once Zach finally gets closed because he's in his tidy whities for a good long chunk of this movie as they're, they're wandering yeah, around. I wonder <laughs> if Tyler had those clothes in his bag. Right. Why did he wait so long to share it? But you know, I don't know. That's that's that, that that's a question for another day, I suppose. Right, and that's where we start to learn a little bit about Zach's quest a little bit more. We we learned, you know, from when he was back at the home that you know this uh, saltwater redneck was his you know hero. He wants to go to this camp. He wants to learn how to wrestle. So that's his thing. So as he, you know, he and Tyler start to connect over this whole you know journey quest. But I guess well, that is the that's the point. So the reason the answer to my question, the reason why Tyler finally desi- decides to give it is once Tyler learns that Zach's on the run too, then he feels like he can trust him enough to give him clothes, which I think is that's true. I yes. guess we're both we're both honor among thieves, right? Right. This is the kind of that, idea, no, but still, it's you're it's right. Tough. <laughs> that's right because they they stop off and they they're on their way on foot. They stop off. Tyler goes into a little shop to get some supplies, and that's where you know he doesn't have a lot of money because he brings a bunch of stuff up to the counter. He's got to scale it back. And as he's talking with the proprietor there and drinking some homemade moonshine, that's when Eleanor comes in and with her photo. We've seen her around town trying to see if anybody's seen Zach. And that's when Tyler, yes, learns that, yes, Zach is a fellow fugitive. Uh, so they, they felt their secret handshake and their, their bonding begins as they move on their journey down to Florida, which is, you know, along the way. And I guess he sees Zach, he can get Zach to where he wants to be, drop him off there, and then continue on to, to Florida for his, for his new fresh start. Yeah, and so I didn't get emotionally connected to the film until we get some distance into that road trip. And the, and the point, I, I actually know exactly where I started getting emotionally connected to it. Because, you know, they start dropping in, like you said, you see the the, the, the background, Tyler's background and, the, and the, the, the bad things that happened to him in the past. But the point that I got emotional is when uh, Tyler decides to teach Zach how to swim. I don't know why that was such a big scene for me. Most of the camera shots are down along the water, so you're kind of at their level as they're as they're going through, you know, what it takes to swim and all this stuff. And I, that was just a really heavy, uh, positive, but you know, sort yeah. of like renewing thing for me about those characters because before I didn't, 
I didn't really care about them except for, you know, this kind of this, this, this bond that they've forged. But I thought they were just kind of both on the run and not necessarily good characters until that moment when they shared that. That's when it made emotional sense for me in the movie. Yeah, that's where the the buddy nature of it comes. It's not just two guys that happen to be traveling the same way, but they've now developed a relationship with each other. That's right. especially for Tyler because you right. you get the sense that it's like, okay, I can I can help Zach because to to not help Zach, I mean, what kind of a person are you? So there's there's that piece, but then it becomes he's much more invested. And we we really get that I think once um, Eleanor finds them. Uh, we have a, that whole scene where, you know, they're where the peanut butter Falcon is born at night as they're talking about wrestling and a, a drunken night, Eleanor stumbles across them the next day, Zach throws her keys into the, into the water. So her vehicle is gone. So she's now stuck with them and they're out on their raft and Tyler asks her some really challenging questions of why, why she treats Zach the way she does. And he really causes her to reflect and question on, you know, how she perceives him. And for me, that was a, a really crucial scene in Super the story. Um, I mean, that alone probably earned, earned them the seal. I mean, yes, honestly, the seal yes. from the Ruderman. I mean, yes. that was a really powerful scene about like uh, about about a, a person being seen for right. for their for being a person and not for the disease that they have. Right. You know, I think, or the condition they have. I think that's really really important. That was a great great scene. Yeah, and they you know they kept. It, it takes a little, quite a bit of tact to do this because they've got to have their conversation. Clearly, Zach can't be listening. So it's, hey, Zach, why don't you practice holding your breath? And he's off the right. side of the raft, his head in the water. And I thought, okay, that's clever. But then they, they wrap it up with he's actually grabbed a fish out, right. of, out of the water. So, you know, it, so it ends. You've got that heavy scene. It ends on a, on a laugh. There, it's, it's that. Well, I balance. like the first time he comes up. He goes, "How long was that?" And Tyler yeah. says, "Long." Okay. Yes, <laughs> yes, and it's it's, yeah. it's good stuff. It's that craft in the writing that keeps this from becoming too heavy or or too. It just strikes the right balance. I will <laughs> say to to that because you can have that intense conversation. Where do you go from there? You got to lighten it up, and so we then have that shift from Eleanor because her whole thing has been, you know. Zach can't be out on out in the world. He's got to be someplace, you know, where people are taking care of him. And that perspective shifts. And that's where they then, along the way, they're, they're at a diner. She checks in with her boss to let him know that she's found Zach. And I yep. think this is sort of where the other shoe drops for her is because she'd labeled him a flight risk at the old folks' home, the place that he's going to be put is a place that's for drug addicts and prostitutes. And she is right. totally, that is not the right place for him. And you only hear her side of the phone conversation. She's like, well, yes, I did say he was a flight risk. But clearly, the system doesn't have a place for Zach. No. It, it does not know how to take care of someone like him. And that's the challenge. So she, you know... Finishes that phone conversation and asks the waitress if she knows Saltwater Redneck. And that takes us into sort of the third act of the film, of right. the, the, the dream fulfillment uh, of the story of tr tracking down Saltwater Redneck. We get the the disappointment of, dude, I haven't been doing that school in a long time and I'm you know not doing that. Right. And then the dejected scene too. walking away and then all of a sudden the what is it? The Camaro comes spinning through the dust and everything. And <laughs> there he is with all his wrestling makeup on and everything. And, uh, to do the right thing to help this kid have his one day of, of wrestling class. And, uh, um, no, it was, it's great. I thought they're doing this out in the dirt. Is how Somebody's going to get hurt. Right. But, you know, we go along with it and, uh, that's where we get the ultimate wish fulfillment of, Hey, I know these guys, doing some backyard wrestling, do you want to be in a match for real? And that's, right. at that point, my wife who was semi-watching said, oh no, he's going to hurt somebody. Because we've we've had that, convert. Tyler's talked about how, how strong Zach is. How strong he is, yeah, you exactly. Know, we've got that he's not going to know his own strength, yeah. Right, exactly. So we get to the wrestling match and my wife's like, he's, he's going he's gonna to hurt somebody. I'm like, no, it's, it's not that kind of movie. It's not, right. it can't end tragically with like Zach, you know, hurting, maiming somebody due to his strength. He said that's, it can't go that direction. So I thought, how are they going to pull this off? Right. How do you set up the wrestling match? Uh, 
because we've learned that the atomic throw is not a real move. It was all trick <laughs> photography and everything. And I thought, well, we got to get the atomic throw, right? So how they specifically do- said it was not possible, right? Exactly. So how not a real move? It's not, po- not possible. possible. Is what they said. So how because we got to get an atomic throw in there. How does that happen? Well, of course, the guy that he's going to get matched up with, who is saltwater redneck's friend, uh, is going to take it seriously and like. I'm just, you know, he's he's beating up Zach in the ring. And I thought, oh, okay, make this sort of side character really unlikable really quickly. Gives us a, a motivation for Zach to execute uh, the, atomic, the atomic throw. The atomic throw. And the, the great thing about the casting is that is, if you know your good old wrestling, that's Jake the Snake from the good old, you know. Oh, that is Jake the Snake? Yes. That's, that's so great. <laughs> So you got a good old school it. wrestler in there for that yep. uh, that move, and yes, while we've got that going on, of course, uh, we see that one of the attendees of the wrestling is one of the guys in Duncan's crew who calls Duncan to let him know that Tyler's there. Duncan has already told Tyler from a prior sort of confrontation. Next time I see you, I'm gonna I'm gonna crush your skull with a tire iron. So when we see yeah. we see him get out of the car. With that tire iron, for me, really powerful scene because of the we, we move into slow motion of Zach picking up Sam as he's lifting him up. We see Duncan running, you know, across the yard with his people, yep. and it, so as we we see Sam being tossed through the air, you know, so Zach, you know, pulling off the impossible move is com- then completely twisted around by. Tyler getting a tire iron to the head and then, right. you know, cut to, to black for a moment there. Yeah. Um, and that's where I, that's where I didn't know where the film was going to go because we, well, get, and they did it to you on purpose. Right. I mean, well, and we, then we're, they, we're in the hospital. We get flashbacks. Right. Is Tyler but then they alive? put him in the back seat. Yes. They put it, you know, they had him down below. Yes. It's a little bit for effect, but it works. It's it works. Hollywood. It, 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 does. it did it. It is. So they're they're on their road to Florida. So right. all three of them. So Eleanor has clearly quit her job. It's a family. Family goes back to what uh, Carl said at the very, very beginning of the film when he was talking with Zach about, you know, family and how Zach has no family. And, and Carl told me, he said, friends are the family you choose. And for me, that was summarized right there. It just, that's what this film was about. Of somebody right. who does not have family sort of building his own family. I agree. And then he found it and they found, they all found each other, you know, honestly, like that's the thing. They all had their own drama too. We have, you know, Tyler losing his brother. We have Eleanor losing her husband. It's, they, they needed each other and they found each other. It's a, it's a beautiful, beautiful resolution to the story. Yeah. It it wraps everything up nicely. Uh, Like I said, I think it's that I, I knew they couldn't kill Tyler off. I, I mean, how oh, how injured was he going to be? I didn't. I thought you I was can't. so scared because I, I was like, if, "Oh, did you really?" Because if come Ty- on, if if Tyler dies, then Zach's going back to some home or whatever because Zach needs well, Tyler, thought, right? And then yeah. they get on the road, yeah. and then he's you know you don't you see, see Tyler. Yeah. I figured that that okay. So Tyler, this and again, this is not right. But Tyler dies, so Eleanor then has the courage to then make the break and take it to Florida. So I'm yes. glad they didn't do that. But in right. my mind, you know, my True. sort of catastrophizing mind i was like oh gosh no yeah yeah. oh that they were gonna go and because tyler had shared his dream of what he wanted they were gonna go and they were gonna fulfill his dream without him like Uh, yeah it was yeah yeah, it was tough yeah but i mean we have our family you know crossing the border into florida i have no idea what their plan is but it doesn't matter i mean they have no i mean tyler's got no money so unless eleanor is like bankrolling whatever his but again not that type of movie and i i wondered if it touches on the edges of sort of like magical realism fairy tale type of stuff because because it does handle things so i mean it, it it's it's heavy but again practically if we we're in gritty reality it's like these three people what are their chances of being successful we're not on that grittier side of that so it's it is that everything works out in the end type of ending although i still have questions of like well you know, still, you know, there's a case of arson that Tyler's responsible for destroying nearly $20,000 worth of equipment. Just because Duncan, you know, put him in the hospital doesn't mean he's done, you know. Right. But again, it's not that type of story. And and again, that's what's really uplifting about this and why I, I consider it sort of like the family film, because it 
it touches on a lot of things like bullying, you know, talking about the character of, of Duncan. You can talk about Tyler of making mistakes and how you, how you handle guilt for a mistake that you made. And again, it's not anything that I think that we blame him for. It's he fell asleep. You know, we don't have the, you know, it was like he was doing something wrong. Label that as an accident. We have the whole thing of, of Eleanor and her whole looking at Zach and how she perceives him as whether or not he can be, you know, successful in the world, you know, all of that. A lot of great talking points, I think, for families, yeah. you know, to, to yeah, look at something. She needed to learn that too. Yes, yeah. exactly. And so for me, that's what makes this, you know, of, of the three bird films, yes, definitely my favorite because it's ultimately, I think, rewatchable, some great talking points for families to, to get into, you know, with, I, I would say probably... 12, 13 is probably when you've got yeah. kids that are probably going to be... Yeah, middle school into yeah. early high school. Yeah, right. I think that's good. Sit down, have conversations, because these are going to be things that they're probably going to be dealing with. You know, you've got that whole, you know, dealing with guilt, dealing with bullying, you know, dealing with people that aren't like you, people that are different, and how do you interact with them? You know, looking at Tyler and how he comes to accept Zach and be his his biggest supporter and biggest fan. Um, even though, you know, it would be easy for him to say, he's he's dragging me down. I've got my own thing to do. What responsibility do I owe to him? Nothing. But to me, it's it's this whole idea of like finding your family. So yeah, that's, that's where I, I fall with this one. Yeah. It did it. It did it. it. They found the family. It yeah. was wonderful. Yes. <laughs> so, um, I mean, other than the... Like I said, that slow motion stuff at the end, I there there was, you know, looking at what are the shots, you know, the cinematography, some of the things. Well, I mentioned the water scene. Um, they do an amazing overhead shot with the big story moment when uh, Tyler is pulling Zach across where he almost gets hit by by the boat. That is pretty special too. And it's, it's stationary. So it's a static overhead shot, which I actually think increases the drama too, that we aren't moving, we aren't, we aren't zooming, we aren't moving at all. It's just held in place as the boat approaches. I thought that was really powerful. There also were some really great motion control stuff in the first third of the movie where we're following Tyler on the boat and it's low so it gives you a full shot of the boat and you really feel the motion as we go with it you would have needed some sort of boat to be alongside and shooting Mm -hmm. that as you go and that was really beautiful stuff too so I love that and and that stuff you know it's not too crazy expensive expensive it doesn't take a whole lot of production but it it, it's the kind of creative stuff that you can do in a very practical way that makes um, makes it a really special movie I really liked what they did with the camera in this movie yeah like I said with with the everything about this film like i said other than a little bit of a couple rough performances in the beginning everything else just really clicked along the pacing you know the story structure moved it along really solid cast carrying us through and and camera work that i think worked you know really well to help contribute to to telling the story so i agree yeah yeah it's just yeah i like i said i wanted to give it four stars and i just couldn't couldn't get there because i i wanted more substance but that's where i am in my life you know and I joked a little bit yeah. in the pre-show about it. I think I I left it at three stars because for me it's it, it's a it's the perfect kind of movie. It's very, it's dramatic. It's a great story. It's something that's interesting. I don't really know who I'm going to recommend it to because I, I again you need to be have an affinity towards some of that heavy dark stuff to be able to see it. The other piece is that I don't think I'm ever going to see it again. I mean I get it and I and I can tell people the story of it like we're doing here today, but it's not something that I'm going to go revisit. So that's why it ended up at three stars. But definitely three stars and a like for me. Oh yeah, no I I. I agree. It's not one that I'm probably going to watch again, but I would say a younger version of me might have really gotten into this film sure. a lot. And it, again, it's one of these films where I look at Shia LaBeouf and I just cannot wrap my head around this guy of, he's good at what he does. His personal life is just a mess. But you know the fact that he commits to a project like this, and one of the other things that... Um, he was great. People... Didn't receive any Oscar nominations, but he and yeah. Zach were presenters at the 2020 Oscars. You know, so, yeah. you know, clearly, you know, the f- fact of the community of filmmakers coming around Zach to help tell the, his this story, uh, putting, a mov- putting him in a movie and some of the story elements coming from his own dreams. It's just one of those projects I thought it, it could come off so like cheesy Hallmark, but it comes off as such a great film that you right. know, really succeeds and so i'm not surprised that this is a film that started in 17 theaters and grew and stayed in theaters for so long i'm not surprised at that too either i think i think the thing that 
that freaks me out the most. I mentioned in the, you know, when we were talking about ratings and stuff, I think this is a far superior movie to Hillbilly Elegy. And the fact that Hillbilly Elegy did get some Oscar right. nominations yes. and this didn't, I think is kind of a tragedy because they're the same kind of film in terms of, you know, in in, in looking at culture and all these kind of things. And I think the performances, I think the fil- this film is just superior to that. So that's a, a, just to reiterate, I think that the, if if you like this that kind of movie, you're going to like this one. Right. Yeah. All right. Well, that wraps up our trilogy of birds, our hummingbird, our, our goldfinch, and our falcon to, <laughs> to finish things off. So we're going to delve into, I think, another trio of films. But it's you know we've been pl- I've been playing around with titles. I got to dig back in and see what I how I group these three films because I, okay. I think it has something to do with maybe mental illness. I'm not sure. Oh, I have to I have to okay. look at, look at where we're going with our, our next trilogy of films but uh yeah you know it's it's been a, a mixed bag you know so far this this uh, run of, of stuff but i'm i'm glad to find something really solid that like this uh with the peanut butter falcon yeah good finale for the for the birds for the falcon all right jj well pleasure talking to you we'll see you next time see you on the next one at trailer rewind i scour what is streaming to find the films we discuss on the show Letterboxd makes it easy to find out which services have the films we are reviewing. Letterboxd also makes it easy to locate films we have watched in the past and see our reviews and ratings. The Next Real team has built lists of films we have discussed for the main show, the film board, and Trailer Rewind. Right now we have a special offer for our listeners. You can quickly and easily upgrade your free Letterboxd account to pro or patron status with a 20% discount at thenextreel.com slash letterboxed. If you've already upgraded your account, this discount also works for renewals. After you've used Letterboxd to find a film and watch it, we'd like you to be part of the conversation in our online Discord community. To get started, just go to thenextreel.com slash discord. And to keep the conversations going and get some great benefits while you're at it, head over to thenextreel.com slash membership and become a supporter of the Next Real family of podcasts. For less than the cost of a movie rental, you can become a monthly supporter and join us for show live streams as we record, early access to shows in your very own personal podcast feed, and access to member-only channels in Discord. Thank you for listening to Trailer Rewind. Hondo. I love the conversations that so many of our hosts have had on their shows. Steve and JJ on Trailer Rewind, Ray and Ocean on Silver Linings, even Tommy's short-lived No, No, Wait, Hear Me Out. And so many films they've discussed started out as a book, a play, or even a TV series. Well, now you can support our whole family of podcasts by using our new Originals page to buy the original source material used to inspire films covered on our shows. Just visit thenextreel.com slash originals. Your purchases made through our links give us a small commission at no extra cost to you and allow us to keep having these fantastic conversations. It's a wonderful way to support the show. Producing these podcasts week after week require a ton of work behind the scenes. If you'd like to help support our efforts, try using our originals page when shopping for books and movies that we've covered. It's your one-stop shop for Amazon and Apple links where you can buy the book, play, video game, movie, etc. upon which the movie is based. Original material for trailer rewind movies like If Beale Street Could Talk, The Goldfinch, Aniara, or The Two Faces of January. Or Silver Linings movies like Repo Men, which was based on the repossession Mambo. Plus, by using those links to buy books, Amazon and Apple show us a little bit of love, which allows you to support our family of shows with minimal effort. Visit thenextreel.com slash originals. It's a fantastic way to support the show and find a great book to read. That's right. Head over to thenextreel.com slash originals to find your next read and get started today. (laughs) 